what we've got here is failure to communicate. From sunny Southern California, we bring you Meet Bridget, a podcast for building confident communication and female badassery. We spotlight women who have bridged the gaps in their lives by building strong relationships and speaking their teenage dreams into reality. Man, that's just the key. Like, I think the earlier you can identify the things that make you different from everybody else, like those ultimately, those are the things that are going to get you places. All right, everybody, we're so excited because today we're going to take it in a little bit of a different direction. We thought that, you know, one of our main goals for this season was to really incorporate our listeners and our listener feedback. We loved having a listener on for our finale episode of season one. If you haven't heard it, go check it out. Jessica was amazing. And we just thought, you know, why don't we reach out to our listeners and ask for some questions, whether they're about the podcast, our lives, general, you know, tips about being a young woman or an adult woman. Um, And we really got like so many questions. So we're just going to dive in today. I'm really excited about this one. I mean, when we were going through and looking and grouping these questions together, there are so many good ones. There are actually a lot of repeat questions that we ended up consolidating. So hopefully we get to all of them today, but I would not be upset with a part two of this yeah, because there might just have to. Yeah. <laughs> there are burning okay. questions. Yeah. And I want to preface it too, that all of our answers are coming from just our personal anecdotal experience. Um, we always like to bring in experts where we can, and that's ha- what happens in a lot of our interviews. But in these little Q&A episodes, like, you know, fact check us if you want, but we're just going to give our answers just as, you know, to early 30-something pretty successful women. And from our, you know, our our last decade of experience in the world of finance and healthcare and we have a lot to offer, but you know. So, so we're doing our best. We are not doctors or lawyer, lawyers are giving you financial advice. So want to preference that. So where do you want to start, Ash? Because we literally cover everything today from career to finance to body image, confidence, and then routine. Do you want to start with the, the nitty gritty of career and finance first and go into the more like creative answers, body image and self-confidence? Um, yeah, I think we dive into the career stuff and then we'll just get like more and more personal, like just peeling back the onion. Yeah. Okay. So one of the first career questions we had were tips on job applications or experiences that we want to share about just like a successful job application or, or not so successful one. I've actually had so much experience and exposure with this lately because if I haven't said it enough, I'm the oldest of four kids. And um, I have lots of younger cousins, too, who are right around that age group of 20 to 25, and they're all graduating college, all looking to interview and apply at new places. And the market looks so different than it did when we graduated. When we graduated, it was like early 2010s. It was, um, you know, we were going into a recession. I remember my dad saying, you need to choose a career that is going to give you stability because he was in the film business and stability is just not a part of that. So as all like, as all parents seek to do, they were trying to learn from their own mistakes. But I mean, nowadays everything is online and I feel like it's two parts. One, it's a numbers game, just like it, it always was. Like send out as many applications as you can to as many different companies. 
do your due diligence, of course, research these companies, try and apply in a field that you think you'd like to go into. But I think you all know how much we love transferable skills and how much we believe in learning from every experience. So for me, I think applying often and applying a lot is one half of the ticket. And the other half is doing your research. And that also means like getting set up, like go get help putting together a resume from somebody who works in the field. And it doesn't necessarily have to be somebody you know. You could start setting up your LinkedIn profile and reach out to people in the same industry and just say, hey, I'm looking to get my feet wet. I just graduated. Do you have any tips or tricks? And you'd be surprised at how many people want to share what they know and learn because most people want to talk about themselves. Yeah. I would say my number one, number one sleeper tip for getting a job, because I was one of those people where I would just sit there and it was the middle of the night and I'm like on LinkedIn jobs and on, you know, Monster and all these different sites. And I'm like, I feel like I keep submitting and trying to like customize my cover letter as much as I can, but I was just, I would get tired and then I wouldn't hear from anything and I just get discouraged. It's really easy to feel that way and feel kind of isolated. So I changed my approach. I had a mentor tell me, find a person. So if you're wanting to be in a specific company, find anyone you can in that company, or if you're in a certain industry and just start reaching out to people and don't just do like, you have to recognize that people are very busy. So you want to make it whatever, if you're reaching out to them, you want to make it worth their time. But usually, especially, yeah, if you're in a, if you're a student or a young person, you have the advantage of being that, a young person, earnest. And so when someone, you know, if you feel just, you reach out to someone, whether it's on LinkedIn or you can get their email or, you know, it's a family friend, you just reach out and say like, hey, I'm a student and I'm, you know, really inspired by your career path. I would love to buy you coffee or lunch. And I just have so many questions about your path in this industry because I would just really benefit from knowing like your take and your career. And I, I'm just so interested in your career path. So if I can pick your brain, I'd love to treat you to coffee or, or something. And then try to do your research about this person so that when you sit down with them, you're asking, you're not just like, hey, so what do you do? But sitting down and having questions like, okay, how did you get into the company? You know, what was a mistake that you made? Like when you hire people, like, what do you look for? Like come with a lot of good questions. And then from those meetings, those are where I've gotten almost all of my job offers that that person, even if I'm not going to go work for that person, they're like, hey, but you know, let me put you in touch with someone in the company that is in that area. Or, you know, they then they know if you're going to be applying, having a person that knows your application is coming in can make or break your application even being seen by a company. Because even from a hiring perspective, I worked at Allo Yoga for a while and we would have so many applications come in. And even the really beautiful resumes, like if I didn't have some kind of connection to that person, or maybe they were reaching out to me in addition to their application coming in. I mean, it's just hard to filter from a hiring perspective while you're working your own job. So long-winded, but I'm like, get in front of somebody, whatever you can. And don't make it like, when you show up, don't be like, I want a job, <laughs> you know, get interested. And honestly, you'll learn a lot in that process of just asking someone about their path that maybe you'll even realize like, oh shit, like that's not even something I want to do. Or like, oh, I thought... I thought this person's job would mean they're traveling all the time and doing this and that. And really she's talking about spreadsheets all day. And like, it can really help you just even feel out an in industry. So focus less on what you can get from someone 
and more on just getting interested in people. And what you can learn. I mean, I think the takeaway from what you just said too is communication is everything. It harkens back to the heart of what we do. Reaching out and communicating with somebody, whether it's a stranger or somebody you know or somebody you know through a connection is so powerful because humans desire that. And I think, you know, from going through resumes myself and hiring for, you know, startup healthcare company, there's so much that you can say on paper, but it makes such a difference being in front of somebody and having FaceTime. And it also helps, I think, being on the other side of it when you're reaching out expect to hear no more often than you will hear less but that's going to strengthen you and make it easier to go out and reach for these opportunities because it's a lot harder to get the yes right like it's you know the those of us that get the yes like first time around that's that's lucky that's an exception to the rule so i think just by teaching ourselves how to approach things head on with the knowledge that like, you know, the first couple of people you reach out to might be way too busy to have a sit down, but that sixth person will give you their entire library of knowledge. And to not take the nose super personally, because especially when you don't have a lot of experience, you know, when you're later in your career, people might see like, oh, okay, this person has six years and they're the exact candidate we want. When you don't have a lot of experience, you really got to differentiate yourself with your personality, your work ethic, and honestly, follow up. Like I can't tell you how many times follow up. Like I was reached out to by someone that we ended up employing, but it was on like their second or third time circling back. Like, Hey, just wanted to see if you got a chance to see my application again. I'm so honored to be up applying here. And I, I really appreciate your time taking a look, taking a look at my application. And I was like, Oh my God, I forgot about that person. Then I felt bad. I'm like, I wasn't, I thought they were great, but like I had 10 things on my calendar for that day. And I just, yeah. It fell by the way. It was nothing personal. Six you know? months down the road, you realize like you're thinking, oh, maybe you're, maybe that person is no longer available. I think the perfect example, we have a friend, a mutual friend who recently got a job working for Netflix. Um, and obviously that's a desirable, you know, company to work for. They're well known. Everybody's heard of it. It's in everybody's house. But she began her application process over a year ago at the beginning of the pandemic, which at this point is almost two years ago. So, and she didn't hear from them and she had to keep reaching out or then they would reach out and they went back and forth for over a year and she's finally employed by them. So it's another example of things do not happen overnight. Um, I think students go out or or new grads go out expecting that they're going to apply and hear back very quickly because our world works very quickly nowadays but you know those rules are kind of those are changing for sure they're they're changing with technology they're changing with industries um you know i'd consider us to be living in like a second industrial revolution where technology is you know our printing press and so we can expect that the process will look very, very different. And then my last thing is send a thank you card, like not just a thank you email, write a thank you card and find a way way to mail it to that person. Because I, this is one of my favorite, I love writing thank you cards. Like love picking out the stationery and everything. She sends the best thank you cards. Feels really old fashioned, but I've had CEOs of companies. Like I, when I was leaving a company, I sent all the people that were above me I took the time to, you know, say thank you to my superiors in like cards. It just felt like natural that I felt like I learned a lot from them. 
And the CEO of the company came up and was like, I have never received a written card like this from an employee as just a thank you. So like that really stuck in my mind. And for me, this is like 10 seconds to sit down and like write a thank you card, but get a pack of them. And regardless of whether you had an interview with someone, they had a coffee with you and they told you a little bit about the company, whatever it is, write a thank you card and mean it. Just be sincere about what you you feel and um, send it to them because those little things um, will set you apart. And that's like the key to getting noticed in the beginning is just find a way to set yourself apart. Yeah, totally agree. And I love your thank you cards. So I think we actually hit a bunch of points from the career questions, but there's one we didn't hit and you can answer this one, but what is it like trying to tackle motherhood whilst working? I mean, I got to be totally honest. It's a shit show. Like, I mean, there are so many moms, obviously millions and millions of moms out there working. We, a lot of us just have to, but I think not expecting perfection from yourself And also knowing that like what it looks like right now isn't going to be what it looks like forever. You know, like I have to continuously remind myself, like I have an infant at home. She's 15 months old, you know, soon, not too, not too far from now, she'll be in school for, you know, parts of the days. And that'll kind of like look different from how my days are structured right now. But I think it's like, get help if you can get it, whether it's a family member or a nanny or a daycare or your spouse lean into that help. But I just, I have to say that it, especially, you know, my work areas are much more entrepreneurial and I happen to be like starting a new like real estate career um, as a new mom. And that's been particularly challenging, but I think that no, you're going to feel guilt. You just are (laughs) because the, your value, the value of your time is really high. Like you want to be all the time with your baby. You want to be all the time doing what you can to not lose, you know, momentum with work. You want to be with your spouse or whatever. Um, There's going to be guilt. I just think it's like, take it day by day and take care of yourself um, and know that it's going to be a little messy and that's okay. Yeah. Agree. I think that's beautiful. Honest answer. Edie's going to change so much over the next couple of months that I can just imagine her needs are going to change completely from six months to a year to two years. Um, Okay. So, finance. And for those of you who don't know and haven't listened to season one's episode of Meet Asha Gabriel, she actually started out in the world of finance. Um, So we're going to delve into this a little bit. So first question here, the taboo around speaking openly about finances and tips you can give for better budgeting. Yeah, I think that it's just for whatever reason, we have such a hard time speaking openly about our finances, but I think it really comes from, um, I think we have hesitancy to speak about what we're not super confident about sometimes. And I think that it, it took me a long time to really even feel like I had a handle on on the world of finance. Like, okay, at what point should I be investing? How much should I be saving? Um, how much should I be earning per year? Like what's kind of normal and what can I afford? that's a learning curve and it looks different for everyone. So I think it's okay to admit that like, I have a lot to learn. Like I remember I was managing millions and millions of dollars for clients in an investment management, you know, role. And I remember having moments where I was like, gosh, I'm so busy in this job that I like, when was the last time I actually even looked at my stock portfolio and thought about like some of the advice that I'm giving to these like super, super wealthy people. Like maybe I should actually kind of take it for myself, even though it's with a very much smaller amount of money. 
I think it's like, okay, A, it's okay to not know everything. And there are people out there that are licensed to give financial advice. But I think that ways you can really start budgeting is really um, setting a schedule for yourself to just know what you're spending. Whether it's like, okay, every Sunday, I'm going to just take a look at my debit card statement or whatever. And like, just, just take a look. Like, what am I spending? Did it look different this month from last month? Like, I always look at my statements and I'm like, okay, clearly like end of November, I spend a lot during like Black Friday and the beginning of the, the you know, holidays. And like that happens every year, you know, and I kind of, but I, I try to keep an eye on trends. Um, what am, okay, have I been spending a lot more? Like, oh, wow, that coffee, that $5 coffee I've been getting every day and like adding it up and being like, okay, that cost me this much per month. What could I have done if I need my coffee at home and just thinking that way where it's just you're you're aware of what you're spending i think that that puts you in the driver's seat of your finances and there's so many great apps and which okay i will speak very briefly on this because i have used everything from like the bank of america app to mint to sofi almost every banking institution has their own preferred budget calculator where you can plug things in you can see exactly what you're spending you can input your bills and it does all of the math for you, which if that works for you, I think you should 100% do it. That's what those tools are for. And I think as millennials and, and younger women um, that are used to using technology in that way, that might be the missing link for you. However, I can only remember things if I write them down and commit them to memory, and it's actually become a part of my routine. So. One, I like doing this because I I like being able to still add, subtract, divide, multiply, whatever, like just mentally. Um, I think that's stimulating and it's easy and simple. So every two weeks when I get paid, I sit down, I have a moleskin planner, which is like the daily journal planner and we can link it in our show notes. It's the only thing I've used for the last several years of my professional and personal life that really works for me because it's one part schedule organization, one part brain dump, and then one part journal. And every two weeks, part of my brain dump is writing out every like credit card or debit account that I have, which isn't very many, and any bills that I might have, totaling them and subtracting what I'm spending and what I need to save. And I also use that time to project what the following month is going to look like because I can say I expect to make about the same amount of money two weeks from now, and this is what bills will hit at that time. And so if you're the type of person that needs to write things down to commit them to memory or to think about things, or if you just like brain dumping like I do, that's another way to set up a routine for yourself that's actually like a nice every two week, you know, standard date with yourself to stay organized. And so I really like that. I think one of the next questions is about um, like, applying for your first credit card or how easy or difficult that was for you. I would say my piece of advice when it comes to cards is that I personally started with a debit card and that was like, okay, (laughs) well, it was easy for me to be like, okay, I like the idea of knowing that there's like money and I could see things subtracted from it. And I know I'm not spending more than I have and just getting used to that at first. And then from that point, like seeing that, like, okay, I, I make this much, and I spent this much of it and this much is carried over into the next month. And I had a say. So I think what helped me was that I had my first debit, savings, and credit card account all at the same bank. I think mine was Bank of America. 
And it was nice because I could look at it all on one. This has helped me get used to just having like, okay, I'm only going to have one credit card for a little while. I'm going to have one debit card, but I could see like, okay, when I log in, I can see how much is in my savings. I can see how much is in my debit. And I could see, okay, once I got that credit card with that same bank, I could see, okay, now I'm going to start putting certain expenses on my credit card because there are advantages to having a credit card. You can you know, earn points and different things based on your spending or cash back or whatever. And you built your credit profile. Yes. Yeah. So, um, which I mean, it has kind of mixed reviews these days. I feel like when we were young, it was like, you have to establish credit really early and you do need to do that. Um, but these days, like banks have a lot of other ways of verifying your credit worthiness or your ability to like pay off something like a loan once you're going for like a first house. But it is, it was a really nice organized way for me to start kind of understanding a credit card, like the risks of like, oh shoot, like it's nice having a credit card because it feels like you have no limit. But like when I would could see it next to my debit card, I'm like, okay, I still like, I'm gonna have to pay that off. So I need to have that kind of, you know, balance happening in my statements every month and I could just pay it off right there. So I would just set an, a, like an alert in my phone um, for, I think it was like every two weeks also, where I was like, just pay off my credit card, pay off credit card. And I, in that process, I would look into everything. That's also how I started like setting aside um, money for savings. Um, I didn't have like a stock portfolio or anything at that point yet, but I was like, okay, if I see how much I'm, I'm kind of averaging having this much left over in my debit account each month and it's growing and growing, I'm like, maybe I'll just like start moving little chunks of money into the savings section. And seeing that grow was kind of exciting because I'm like, that's my like special money that I'm setting aside. Um, one of the next questions was about, um, you know, favorite tips to save money. So while we're kind of on that topic, I think that automating money going into savings is the best tip I can Perfect give. point. And I would just add on to that because I completely agree. I did the same thing. I had everything with Bank of America, still do to this day. It's like my primary account. A couple tips to add on to that, um, which I think you are already alluding to, direct deposit into your savings and direct deposit into your checking. And I would only deposit what you think you can save, whether it's like $25 a month, $50 a month. It doesn't matter. Just a set amount to start getting in the habit of squirreling something away for a rainy day. And then um, spending with your credit card, one tip that I have for that is credit doesn't really matter as much until you go to buy a car or you go to buy a house. But eventually, if that is your goal, then you do want to think about credit a little bit. And I do think that uh, if you can spend on your credit card, you get the points for it, which is never a bad thing. So either that's in the form of cash back or they'll send you um, you know, a credit to down pay the, the bill on your credit card each month. But if you have your cards linked, I like to be able to see what I'm spending on my credit card and then at the end of every month, just transfer the amount of money to cover that so the card's always paid down. Yes. That's another good tip is like always pay off your credit card in full. I know there's, you know, some situations with student loans and all sorts of things that come up later, but like if you possibly can like prioritize paying off your credit card in full and then right after that is sending your stuff. Well, actually I would almost say you want to have prioritized having stuff going straight to savings and then paying off your credit card in full. But if you just don't try not to carry a balance over. Yeah, because interest is a real thing. And that actually brings me to a different point. And um, I think that Michael from the Skinny Confidential, him, his and her podcast, 
um, I think that he might have been the one that I heard this from, and I thought this was really smart. If you want to start thinking about creating an investment portfolio, now is a good time to do that. And it doesn't have to be a crazy amount of money. You don't have to have thousands of dollars in the bank to start an investment portfolio. Again, there's a ton of different apps that do portions of stocks. So you can put away like 10, 15, 20 dollars, you know, every two weeks and then have that start going into your portfolio. And it adds up the thing with yes, investing is that as early as you can get in, I think I actually started one little um, and it was like a mutual fund account when I was in elementary school. And it was literally, I think like $200 or something like I got a gift from a family member and I was like, mom, I want to start it. Like I want to invest. So, and we, I forgot about this until like much, much later, but to see the effect of getting in early and leaving your money in the stock market is crazy. I wanted to go back and actually make one point about the credit thing before we close that up. And then we can talk a little bit more about investing. Um, so I remember for a long time before I got into finance formally, I was like, what is credit though? Like everyone's like, build your credit. I'm like, yeah, I know you do that by like a credit card or like having something like that. Banks and people who are, will eventually lend you money so you can do bigger things and, you know, stretch what you're able to do as an adult and stuff. But those companies, they don't know you. They don't know how responsible that you are. They don't know that you have a good job. They are trying to figure out like, okay, if I lend my money to this person, they're going to pay it off. So building your credit is really building the proof that you are able to borrow money and pay it back. So when you're thinking about like paying off your credit card each month and that building your credit is that it's like that each month when you build up a credit balance, you know how much you can spend on that credit card and then you pay it off at the end of the month. You're literally sending a message to that bank that, hey, I can borrow and I can pay it off. And the longer, say, you do that for months and months and months, that meet the the longer track record you have with that bank, they're going to be like, oh yeah, look, I mean, this person clearly is employed and knows what they're spending. And like, yes, I would lend this person money because they regular, I lend it, lend it to them regularly via a credit card and they pay it off regularly. So that is what credit is. It sounds really confusing and woo woo, like a, you know, a term that I was kind of scared of for a long time, but that's it. generally credit is building trust. Yes. With a bank. And pay attention to APRs and interest rates because those matter. Obviously, higher interest rates means that your payments are going to only balloon over time. So thus, it's even more important to make sure you're paying things off in a timely fashion and early if you can. So um, one of the things that I will sometimes do is like buy something with credit but pay it off long before the bill is due. I used to actually, I think I used to do that with a Macy's credit card when I would buy like clothes there for my first job. I would like, I got the Macy's credit card, but I've always been afraid of having store credit cards because I'm like, I'll forget to pay it off. I like, I like just paying off my credit card. So literally, I remember going into Macy's because like you get deals if you buy, use the credit card. They're like, you 15% off for card members. I'm like, fine. So that you would use the credit card and then I would stand there right at the checking thing. I'm like, okay, now I'm going to pay off my credit card bill. <laughs> you know, and I knew exactly how much it was because that was all I spent was whatever I just bought then and I'd pay it off right there. So it felt kind of stupid, but I was like, but I'm getting the deal and then building credit. It's sort of like a workaround in the system because they have built this to make money off of you. But if you do it in this way and stay on top of it, it's it's a lot more feasible. And then we want to talk about like the investing stuff just a little bit. So a great way to get into once you're like, if you can get any little amount of money into um, investments, a great way to start, especially if you're young, 
a general rule of investing is that if you're young, generally the money that you're putting away to invest is money that you don't need for a long time. And usually when you don't need money for a long time, you can afford to have those investments be a little riskier if you're leaving it for a long time, because even risky investments, especially if they're in something called a mutual fund, will over time kind of balance out. There will be ups and downs in the stock market, but generally like your money will continue to grow. So if you're starting early, I would suggest getting into a mostly stock mutual fund. You can do that. Like I started my first um, portfolio. It was a Roth IRA at um, Charles Schwab. And Roth IRAs, you can do, that's one thing, another, we'll get, won't get into those details. Maybe we'll have a full finance episode at some point. We totally will. Um, but those are like uh, really good for tax reasons to have. Side note, Charles Schwab also has a high interest savings account, which I highly recommend for anybody looking to bank because you can put your $100 away and it will continue to build interest over time. Yes. And that's so like, if you want to have money that you might like you're you're having a little savings account, but it's like I want to have an emergency fund, where um, in finance they call it liquid. Liquid means as close to cash as possible. So if you were like, I need to pay off a hospital bill. I was in an accident. I need to be able to pay it off tomorrow. Whatever it is, you have some urgent need for money. You if it's liquid, you could pay. You could use it like right away. So something like that is good for kind of like rainy day, like emergency money. If you invest in a mutual fund, if you need that money it takes some time to like for them to sell that there's usually like kind of a fee involved and also if you put money into an ira there are penalties to pull it pulling it out before you're of retirement age so we'll we'll go into all those we'll bring on someone and we can go through like all the basics of getting yourself into good financial shape but we wanted to like chat a little bit about that because i'm really passionate about women feeling empowered about their financial health and um just not making mistakes because they didn't know what to do. Yeah, 100%. There was one more question about, well, are there books, podcasts, or other resources that you'd recommend to someone learning how to save or invest? Short answer, yes. But I think we're going to link those in our show notes because we have so much to get through. I know we have so many. (laughs) Okay, let's keep going because there's just like so much good stuff here. Okay, so moving on to the topic topic of body image and self-confidence. I'm excited about this one because I think you and I expected to hear some questions about this, but we heard so many questions about this. We tried to group them into like overarching questions to try and, you know, address everything everyone was asking. One of the first questions was actually on periods and our stance on the whole industry that revolves around menstrual cycles. So I work in healthcare and I have experience working with women and in women's health. You know, a long time ago, I thought I wanted to be an OBGYN, which didn't end up happening um, because I decided to go in a different direction. The very little that I can say about this is the industry is changing just like much much other industries are. And they're trying to go in the direction of being more sustainable. And that's in terms of like the supply and demand part of it. I think marketers and um, these smaller companies like Lola and um, what's another one, Cora. I mean, they're doing such a great job. Uh, Thinks is coming up with all of these new innovative products to make menstruation more comfortable and easier on women. 
and that comes in the form of period underwear that's actually comfortable for women, period cups that are comfortable to wear instead of putting tampons or pads on daily because, um, you know, everything is made with some measure or method of like plastic use. And so I think people are generally trying to stray away from those. I don't think I know enough about that industry to really answer or dive into that enough. But what I will say is the tides are changing. I think there will always be controversy about the way that women talk about their bodies because for so long, nobody did that. And just like decades ago, we had to talk about women's rights to vote or a woman's right to work in the workplace or to get paid the same as men. I think this is kind of the next topic on the horizon. Uh, You know, the next topic on the horizon is really what is women's health going to look like? I don't know how you feel, Ashi, but for me, I think that women are powerful, divine beings. I think that we have a lot of attributes that are different from men because we've evolved different from men. Our bodies serve to do different things. We think differently, but it doesn't mean that we can't all do the same things. I think that over time, people will hopefully get more comfortable hearing about these things the more that we talk about them. And that's kind of like my overarching statement on menstrual cycles and periods and and the industry and the world that we live in currently. Yeah. I think, I mean, I'm trying to remember like my early days having my period and, you know, I'm open about it now. Like I had really intense, tough periods from my early age to the point where like they were almost debilitating and definitely had like full PMS symptoms and like just every, every, every symptom you can have during your period I would have. I think that I had a lot of shame around that because we weren't really talking about it. Even like with like my girlfriends and stuff, like I literally remember this is so TMI, but I feel like every girl's been there to some extent. I remember the first time I tried to use a tampon and I kind of looked at the directions, but I didn't know that you're supposed to put like the applicator in and then put it in. I thought you're just like put it at the entrance and then just like, you know, rocket ship that thing in there. And it, as a result, was like never fully in. Which there. is so uncomfortable. <laughs> and my mom was, and I'm like, I'm like walking around like a penguin. I'm like, mom, this is terrible. And it's so uncomfortable and it hurts. And she's like, that is like the opposite of what it's supposed to feel like. So eventually she had to literally just like go in the bathroom with me and like, you know, show me how to do it. And I was like, Oh, so I think that just the value of having women who you're comfortable with, and it can can be a family member, it can be sister, it can be a mom, whatever. But like, it'll I honestly think it can also be a friend. Like, we, the the beautiful thing is that all women, you know, most women have cycles, and this is a part of our lives. And I just think that the less, uh, the more kind of like open we can be, and and as young women, knowing that most women are going through this. A lot more women have really difficult cycles or issues or endometriosis or all these different things. So those things are very common. You're not dirty or icky or yucky for having any intense or whatever periods, whether it's causing you acne or stress or whatever it is. There's nothing yucky about it because having gone through the process of having a child, we realize that like your period is all part of this process. It's it's just an expression of the power of your body and the potential of your body to create life. So I really, I mean, as I like to like always, yay, periods. I'm not like one of those people that like, like gets all excited when I have my period. Like, no, I freaking hate it. But I think that just reminding yourself that this is so normal and it sucks, but like all women are going through it. So that 
you know. And we can talk about it. We can talk about it. Like I, when I started like talking with a friend, I was like, oh my God, like I have such bad, that, and someone told me about Midol or something. It's like, oh wow, like there are solutions and there's things I can do to make it easier or like using a heat pad during this time, like whatever it is, sharing takes away shame. Yes, 100%. Again, communication. Also, just side note, if you're having increased amounts of pain, call your doctor or go into an urgent care. Because a lot of times, and I think this conversation happens too, is like we're told to suck it up. And the idea that everyone's going through it makes it feel like we should be able to get through it too. But there is a threshold. So when in doubt, go to the doctor. What advice can you give women that don't feel like they fit the beauty standards of ongoing trends? And this question was asked in several different ways. People asked about comparing ourselves to celebrities, fitting into society's beauty standards. How did we deal with this growing up? How are we affected by social media? I think we we can tackle this head on. Asha, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, I think so many people have heard about these studies that came out from Facebook internal where they were talking about how like they they literally have proof of the negative impact uh, on young women um, of viewing social media and Instagram feeds and everything and that they have documented proof of that. So if you're feeling like you're comparing yourself, you're not feeling good, you know, and you think it might be linked to your social media usage, like you're not crazy, you know, that there, this is, it's a, it's a new, you know, this whole world of social media and everything. But, you know, if you're feeling those things there, there are, you know, ways that you can kind of check yourself and check in with yourself and know that like a trend is just that, like, what is the, the thing that like some of those girls are doing, um, the surgery that like literally gets their brows lifted. Oh yeah. Up super high. And it like, yes, it looks pretty. It looks nice in pictures, but like then everybody you know, we don't know same. how that's gonna end like age and I don't know. I, I think that um one of the next questions was about um our thoughts on like plastic surgery and body modification and fillers, breast implants, all that stuff. So I think we this can kind of get grouped in there too, because I think sometimes the pressure to look into those types of things is heightened by what we see other people doing. I mean, I I am also of the camp that it's like if you really feel that you know, some kind of augmentation or change or whatever is going to help you feel more confident, I'm all about it. Like approach something from a healthy place, know that like okay, if I'm going to be getting a nose job or doing this thing like I'm going to look in the mirror and it's going to look different. And I, and I need to be okay with that to go into it. Um, but also, I don't, I don't know. I don't ever like to shame anyone for doing those things. Yeah. But I will say from a personal experience, so I have had a long, you know, modeling career and all different, you know, areas of modeling. And I remember I had an agent who was actually, you know, it was at my current agency and a, a print agent, you know, I was doing all this runway work. A print agent was like, you know, we really need like an Indian girl, but you need a nose job. <laughs> and I had never been told that in my life. I was like, I need a nose job. <laughs> and I had never really thought about it. I was like, I know I look kind of Indian. And I think that part of that is that I have like a pretty long nose, but it's straight, you know. And I it just had never entered my mind. But then at that point, I went home and I was looking in the mirror and I was like, do I need a nose job? Like, is everyone thinking that I need, need a nose job when they look at my face? And I just had to sit down and say, like, you know what? Some people are going to look at me and they're going to see what they 
what should be changed, you know, in order to look more like a standard or whatever. Or I can look in the mirror and say that like, you know what, my nose looks like my grandma's nose or like this actually makes me look unique. And if I change myself so much to look like, you know, everybody else, what makes me, what makes me special, <laughs> you know, that I'm trying so hard to conform myself to the standard that you know, I'm seeing somewhere else. I think too, and I also want to, I want to speak a little bit to the pressure and address, you know, how we dealt with this growing up. Asha and I are the same age. We were coming of age around the same time that Britney Spears, Paris Hilton, and Lindsay Lohan were photographed partying in Cars on Sunset Boulevard, which happens to be right in our backyard. Um, I remember distinctly at that time, every single tabloid magazine and Cosmopolitan and you know anything you walked by on the shelf on your way to check out at the grocery store, was like, look how skinny this person is. And every media source, because at the time it wasn't Instagram, it wasn't right at the tip of your fingers, but it was everywhere, you know, on TV, MTV, VHO, and that was kind of like, you know, our social hour at the time. But that was like the consensus was that what was that was what was considered beautiful in the beauty and fashion industries at the time was that uber skinny pretty much anorexic, you know, wasting away look. And I remember for a long time feeling like, okay, I need to make sure that I fit into a size double zero because that's like what the Abercrombie Fitch models wear. And luckily I didn't get too far into this, but I, you know, I've struggled with body dysmorphia my whole adult life and I could trace it back to some of those experiences it's taken a lot and a long time to feel sane and safe and happy in my own body. And there are days where I still catch myself thinking, okay, well, if I don't fit into this size pant, like I'm getting fat or whatever, not giving myself the credit for how your body changes as you age. I've gained a significant amount of muscle because I love exercising. And so I'm just not the same size I was when I started college. Um, my butt is much bigger, which thankfully by today's beauty standards is now the thing. You have to try as much as possible to be able to look in the mirror and appreciate something about yourself every day. And you're not going to be perfect at it because comparison is killer, especially with social media. Today, you know, yesterday's gaunt look is now today's Kardashian butt and, you know, the Kylie Jenner boobs and all of everything. And you know, you get so sucked into that when you're constantly comparing yourselves to other people. The reality is, is that that standard is going to change again in another five years. And unless you want to continuously put yourself through that torture, you got to take the time right now to be happy and content in your own skin, whatever that looks like. And I will say, as I've gotten older, it is so much more important to feel healthy and strong and flexible and fast in my own skin than it does fe to feel skinny. And feeling light and flexible and fast comes from eating the right foods, drinking enough water, exercising a normal amount, and then just taking that time in the morning to look in the mirror and say like, oh yeah, you do have definition. You do have curves. You look different from other people because you're your own singular person. And I think that's beautiful too. Don't beat yourself up too much about having to look like other people. 
now I just buy jeans that fit. I feel like it's much more flattering, much more comfortable. And I just generally look better, not worrying about having a muffin top hanging over pants that are too small. Comfortable, you like, you move differently too. And that conveys a certain sexiness and attitude and, and confidence. So, I mean, I think one of my favorite events that we did um, as an in-person Bridget workshop was we brought in a celebrity makeup artist and we had a, like a makeup tutorial. And from the ex- outside, you might be like, oh, these girls are like doing a makeup tutorial with like, y- young women. Like, is that really a good like, you know, influence that you're having? But I was like, OK, we all use makeup. Like, let's sit down and kind of reframe this conversation around makeup. And we had the um, makeup artist first have a, t- a conversation about um, you the goal of makeup. And, you know, as you look at yourself in the mirror, instead of like following that tutorial and trying to make your face look like this beauty influencer or whatever you're looking at, just being like looking in the mirror and being like, wow, my skin looks great today. Like, let's not wear that much makeup because like my skin's just doing its thing. Or like, man, I've always had great eyebrows. And like, I got those eyebrows from my mama. And I'm going to like, you know, have that be my my f- point of focus. And I don't need to do that much with everything else. Like, using makeup as a way to celebrate your unique features. Because I can also tell you from being in the modeling industry for a long time, like there is still, there's a temptation to, you know, fit a certain standard. And it's like, yes, generally like people want you to have healthy looking skin, like that really helps. And, and honestly, healthy skin often comes as a byproduct of like exercising and eating well and being strong and balanced and your hormones feeling good. But apart from that, I mean, in the modeling industry, I felt like when I really started booking things, it was because of my points of difference that they're actually like, oh no, we really, we want someone with like an ethnic nose or like, oh, your eyes are so different from like other people's eyes that we've seen. And like those points of difference were actually what started getting me really booked. It's like, yes, you can either be trying to look like everybody else and like that wins you fitting in. But if you really want to like make a name for yourself or really have something that people remember, it's like you actually are taking the opposite approach of wanting to stand apart. And I think that that was one of the next questions was, how old were you when you realized it was okay to be different? And I think that this actually took me a long time. But looking back, I'm like, man, that's just the key. Like, I think the earlier you can identify the things that make you different from everybody else, like those ultimately those are the things that are going to get you places like that. What is that? That song's like, what makes you different? (laughs) It's so true. It's that that those are the things that like will catch people's attention. Like honestly can like make you money, not just physical things that make you different, but like things, weird things that you enjoy or like fun music that you like that maybe no one else likes. Those are the things that really make you interesting in the long term. So I say like, as soon as you can start identifying things that are different about you, write them down somewhere. And like, instead of getting down on yourself, like I need to get rid of that thing that makes me different. You don't have to share it with everybody, but like cherish it, you know, because in the long run, those things are going to be your jewels. I promise. Absolutely. When you asked that question, how old were you when you felt like it was okay to be different? I immediately wanted to be like 32 and then some. (laughs) I know because still it's like every day, every day I feel like there's a new opportunity and it's kind of like a mental catch, right? It's like you snag on that thought of like, oh man, that seemed really awkward or weird. And then I'm like, you know what? That was actually kind of funny. Like the way that I thought about that was deeply original. And so I'm going to keep that. Or like when we're even in our group of friends, which is very eclectic. 
I find that there are often times where I see things quite differently. And in those moments, I actually try and speak up now because one, our friends are so diverse, but also so intelligent that they'll come back with like, oh, that's really thoughtful or that's interesting how you think about it differently. And so we grow as a group and as individuals just through sharing different perspectives. And I really enjoy that. And it's, I think it's more of a process than a specific point in time. And I also want to say, if you're hanging out with people that are not okay with you being different, or you're hanging out with people who want all of their friends to look the same, think the same, be the same, it's the wrong group of friends. Yeah. And I also think that sometimes you might privately think that something makes you different or weird that actually isn't very different or weird at all, you know, and that like when you're, you start getting comfortable with sharing the things that make you different with your friends, like I've had so many like hilarious moments where Keisha and I have like, like I brought up something and I was like, this was so embarrassing that happened to me today. And she's like, that happens to me too. And then it's like, either you have, you have, you have a discovery that that thing that me, you thought was so different and weird is actually extremely common. And then it becomes funny or it's like, oh my gosh, that's hilarious. And I love you for being unique, you know? And when I tell friends the things I love most about them, they're usually like the, the quirky little things that make them just them, you know? And then when I've been told, given feedback and stuff from people, I'm like, wait, that was the thing? Like, that's my weird thing, <laughs> you know? And um, yeah, I think we go, can go on and on about like the value of being authentically you and trying to put away all the noise of what all the celebrities are doing with their faces and their bodies and the plastic surgery and stuff and just be like, I'm going to celebrate what makes me different and I'm going to do whatever I can, you know, because I'm not saying like, don't work out, don't like brush your hair and do your makeup or whatever. I'm like, do, do all the things, but like do them because they make you feel healthy, confident, energetic. And yes. Beautiful. And beauty truly starts from within. I mean, there are so many things we got asked, like, what's one thing that you hate about yourself that you've learned to love? And I would argue all of me at a certain point of time, there's something I've disliked about every part of my body. But again, it's like if I start from the inside, if I drink water, if I exercise, if I make sure I'm just moving throughout the day, that I'm consuming things that are good for me, that I'm journaling and letting go of things that do not serve me, I feel so much more well set up to have one, a better day, two, a better experience, and three, just to feel good about myself, who I am, what I've accomplished, what I look like. You know, that's that's really where it starts. And also water is magic. If you drink if you drink the water, your skin will glow. I I promise. <laughs> <laughs> I think that having the self-awareness to catch yourself when you're starting to feel those down thoughts, you know, and instead of letting it spiral, being like, God, like I'm really critiquing myself a lot right now. And when you start kind of going down that and you can, it's even more self-aware to know that like, okay, wait, that happened after I was looking at social media or after I was around this particular group of friends that gossips a lot, um, noticing that and then having your, your little things that you can do to kind of like reset. We've talked about this with guests in other episodes, but you know, I have a handful of things that I know like reset me. Like I've even talked to my mom before and she'll notice I'm in a mood and she's like, have you worked out today? Like, or <laughs> you know, you go move your body because for me, I'm very kinesthetic. Like if I, if I'm having an emotional situation and I am like in my head, the best thing for me to do is go outside and take a walk and look at the trees, like get out, get outside my brain and get into my body. 
And that's something that works for me. Or for some people, it's like journaling or taking a moment with a coffee, whatever it is to reset. Journaling is, by the way, I think most people think about journaling, like I need to sit down and write things out. Sometimes you can just make a list. And this is actually a, a CBT trick, a cognitive behavioral therapy trick. If you do find yourself caught in a spiral of having bad thoughts, write those automatic thoughts down and go back, whether it's, you know, 30 seconds later, an hour later, read them again and respond to that in a way that you would respond to a friend, because I guarantee you it will be different than what, you know, your response to a friend will be different from the things that you tell yourself. And the more that you do that, the more you rewire your brain to start thinking positively and unsnag itself from that mental hitch. Lastly, I remembered this. This was like such a blast from the past when I was reading the question about how we dealt with um, body image and social media and, you know, as, as young women. And I remember one of the greatest things I've ever read as a teen was Bobby Brown's book on teen beauty. And Bobby Brown, she's still around. She's phenomenal. She's like one of the major, major legendary makeup artists. And Bobby Brown, we would love to interview you putting it in the universe. Shout out to Bobby. We will link the book because her entire stance on that book, and it was so beautifully done. She photographs all these women. She talks about her products. She talks about everything from skincare to like how to shape your eyebrows, etc. And it was just very fun for me at the time because I, I think I was in like junior high or high school when I bought it from like the Scholastic Book Fair. But one of the things that she wrote in that book to this day that still makes an impact is that her methodology is not to change the way that somebody's face looks. She's actually not a fan of contouring or she wasn't at the time for sure but it was to accentuate the natural beauty. And she shows you in pictures how she does this and it's incredible and it's so uplifting and wonderful and just a different way to think about doing makeup and beautifying yourself or, you know, actually in her words, accentuating the natural beauty that you already have. And I thought that was such a fun tool to one, learn how to actually do makeup like a makeup professional, but two, to do it in a way that honors your own face and your own body. I think like the the more you can work in tune with what you have rather than fighting what you have, like I'm going to cover up this about my face. I'm going to paint this on or whatever, or I'm going to make myself fit into this specific size of clothes and wear this trend that I see they're, they're wearing on Instagram. The more you can be like, I'm going to go with what works with me. I honestly think that's so communicated externally, like less is more when it comes to makeup in a way that it's like, yes, do the things that you, you want to do to accentuate what you already have. But also same thing with like, we were talking about clothes and it's like, I can literally tell you, I have pants in my closet that range from like a two to literally a 10. Yeah. Same, same. That's eight different sizes like between them and they all fit me you know and it's like different brands make different sizes they mean nothing it looks so much better regardless of the size get something that fits you and you're like okay yeah like over because I've I'm in tune with my body I know that like okay like this is the feature that I like and like pants that sit low like this like they make my butt look non-existent so I'm going to get the pants that do this and working with your body versus working against yeah flow not fight Yes. Flow. We're all about that flow. Yeah. <laughs> We're talking about periods. We're all flowing. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Well, there's another section um, was about growing up confident. 
and how to balance your work life with school life, with your social life as a young adult. Yes. Ooh, this is going to take some memory, but, you know, I worked all through college and then for my senior year, I didn't work at all. And I'll say they were two very, very different experiences. My first three years of college, I got my nurse assistant license because I could do it at the time. And I figured, why not? Like if I'm going into medicine, why not try this? I had no idea what it entailed. So I really started from the bottom (laughs) and worked my way up. And the nurse, I'm really glad I did because not only did I learn every inch of the hospital that I would go on to work in for six years, but I also got to work in every different specialty, et cetera. The point is, is like I worked like a dog and I did it to myself because I thought I could do it at the time. And I did it in conjunction with school. And for a while it was tenable until it wasn't. And then I crashed. And so there has to be a sweet spot, right? So I would say this is only advice I can give in retrospect because I didn't do it at the time. It wasn't until my senior year that I tapped out and was like, I need to not work. Um, Luckily, I had some money saved up. Luckily, like I could live with my parents and, you know, focus just on school for my senior year. But you have to find a balance that works for you and you have to honor what you, your body, soul and spirit needs. And that sounds a little amorphous, if you will. It sounds a little woo-woo, but there's so much truth behind establishing your own baseline. Everybody's different. Everybody goes at their own pace. So if you find that you can work, work, but don't do it to exhaustion and make sure that you're prioritizing the thing that is most important to you, which I would think would be the school portion of it. Yeah. At that time, I think that I definitely felt the pressure of wanting to do everything and try to get ahead of everything as much as I could. And looking back again, this is like retroactive, you know, retrospective advice. I would just say, I wish I would have been more present while I was doing the things I was doing. Cause I almost felt like every time I planned so much that every time I was doing something, I was already kind of thinking about the next thing I was going to be doing and wasn't so much, I wasn't present enough to really focus on the relationships in any of those contexts. So it's, whether you're choosing to really focus on school or building some friendships or you're you're working and you're like you're like okay I'm not really that interested in that that stuff in school and like I'm going to keep that up to whatever I need to but I really want to like my heart is in this job that I'm like you know passionate about whatever it is just take moments to like be where you are when you're there and um focus on the people and the lessons around you that it's like try to try to be in the moment whatever you're doing um and i i think that when you're doing that you don't need as many things on your on your schedule you'll feel full i completely agree with that i think that was so well said it's just it it's kind of like communication right it's like you can't be an effective communicator unless you're an effective listener so similarly like you take the time to pause and listen and just fully be present and i think you make such a good point that that can also be applied to self. It's like you have to sit and be present in the moment and catalog like what your own thoughts are and and really like sit in the experience of it. So I think that was really beautifully said, Ashi. I think also in that when you're doing all of those things, taking mental notes, 
like after after a certain class or an internship you're working or a person you've been spending time with, like taking pause internal moments to be like, how did that make me feel? Like, is this job interesting to me? What do I like about it? Like, okay, what what about that class? Like, do I have further interest there? Or am I just kind of checking it off? Or what does this friendship make me feel? You know, like what what can I do? to like grow it or make it better and like checking in with yourself about like, do I actually like this thing that I'm spending time on? Because if you don't, like if the earlier you realize that, the better, because you can just cut it out and really be more present with the things that you are truly enjoying or interested in or the friendships that are really like making you feel inspired, empowered, and motivated. Okay. How does one learn the boundaries of being a respectful adult living with their parents while also being independent? I mean, that's going to be hard. Like living with your parents obviously has so many benefits. And a lot of people have been experiencing this through the pandemic. A lot of people have moved home and stuff. And as being a young adult, especially if you're like either, you know, you're already in college or you're working, um, I think that having the same context of when you weren't in those roles of life yet, living with your parents, and now it's kind of bleeding into this new era of your life. Um, can be kind of difficult because you have to reestablish kind of new rules and context with your parents. Communication with your parents is really important. I mean, my dad tries to get me to move home all the time, which is so sweet, but... I've never lived at home for an extended period of time because my parents live far away from where I've always been. But I have friends that have lived at at home. And even I experienced this when I've been home for extended vacations, but I also like... I have a work thing I need to do at that point, or I need to do something personal that's not just like me being in my old role of my family. I think that, yeah, communicating with your family, but then also like realizing that when you're home, your family wants to feel connected to you because you're there. So I think that like, okay, I'm going to schedule things and be like, yeah, mom, dad, like I'm not going to be home that night or whatever. Like I have my own plans or I need to be working during these times. But on Sunday, I'd love to sit down and have dinner with you guys, you know, and making them feel seen and appreciated because you are in their space, you know, like living at home is a privilege. And as an adult, you, they don't necessarily don't really owe you that. So it's a good, it's a thing that they're doing to help you have more of a solid foundation. So I think making sure you're expressing that appreciation by being present with them and making time for them will make the whole experience much, much easier. Yeah. And it's, it's really nice to be able to have that set aside time where you're just committed to maintaining the, the relationship with your parents. It's just like any other relationship. You have to put in work both ways. And, um, you know, I might be a little old school in thinking this because I'm first generation American, which always comes with its own quirks. But, you know, for me, being half Filipino, your elders are your elders and that is sacred and you don't talk back to them. You have to listen to what they say. You have to honor and revere them. And this is something that I hold very deeply and close to my heart. But I also recognize that as an adult, boundaries are significantly important. And I think what Asha said about setting aside time or communicating what you need and the ways in which you want to show up for your parents is is really like where it's at. It's like you have to be able to say, okay, I need to do this. I'm scheduling it at this time. And, you know, outside of that, like, you know, I, I'll be here. I'll be present. And even when it comes to like being with your friends and stuff, like I remember, you know, I think it was even in high school, like my mom was sad because we weren't hanging out or something. And I remember just telling her like, you know, I'm really wanting to like 
work on my friendships right now. And I really want to build a deeper friendship with this person. So that's why I really want to go to this, but like, let's go to this thing together or whatever it was. Being honest with your parents where it's like, Hey, I'm really trying to make friends right now. Or like, I'm really trying to focus on this work project and it's important to me. You communicate that with your parents, like your why for being independent from them. They'll respect that. And that ultimately that's, that's a parent's goal is for you to be able to live independently. So it will strengthen your relationship to allowing your parents to see a more adult side of you. And, um, you know, I can say I'm really close to my parents now there have, you know, just like with anybody else, there are moments where it's tenuous and difficult and we don't agree on things. And those are the moments where I have to take a step back and say, I disagree. And this is why, and you have to be able to do it in a calm way because, you know, especially with family feuds, tensions are high. You're the meanest to the people you love because you feel the most comfortable with them. So if you can practice speaking to your parents, like you would speak to, um, I don't know, like not like your boss or something, but you know, level with them. They're humans too. Parents are real people, Asha. Yes. Well, now I am one. I'm like, I look at my daughter. I'm like, one day she's going to tell me she hates me and I have to pretend it didn't affect me and I'm going to be crying for days. And I just like, I'm already like anxious about that fact. It just like, they love you. They adore you. Speaking of relationships. So first breakups are always difficult. What are some actionable tips you would give to teens slash young women to make them realize your wor- their worth? First breakups, all breakups are difficult. That's a new slash. Um, even if you're, you're the one doing the breaking up, I honestly feel like that's even harder because it feels like you're creating the pain. I don't know. It sucks from every dimension. Really getting in touch with your gut feeling about something. Um, I've, I feel like in most relationships that I've had that ended, um, there was considerable self time and like writing down like the things that made me feel a certain way. Like I feel jealous with this person or I feel, you know, like I'm not getting what I need from this person. Okay. Why asking myself why, and really taking inventory of yourself it helps you feel your, your worth because it's like your, your gut feelings, you're not wrong to feel, you know, so I, I think you also don't owe it to someone to like morph yourself into what someone else wants out of you in a relationship. Like sometimes it's just, and usually when you're really, really young, those are all just like learning relationships and the feelings are real. Like I'm not saying that these aren't serious relationships that you're having when you're young. The feelings are big and they are real and difficult. But just know that it's normal to run into situations where like, okay, like maybe this just isn't working. Adding on to that too, with every relationship in your life, um, romantic relationships included, you owe it to yourself to be honest and true. And that's the only thing that you can promise anybody else or that you should promise anybody else. Because if you're not in an honest relationship where you're able to show up fully present as who you are, then it's not a relationship worth having. Or at least that's what I believe. Like, I don't think that you should ever enter into anything where you have to act differently or pretend to be something that you're not. That goes for friendships, romantic relationships, workplace relationships, you know, and, and, vice versa, you should be able to allow your partner to be whoever they are and show up as they are. And I think that if you go into things with that baseline, it makes it a lot easier to figure out, is this working? Is it not working? And because you already have that respect established, 
it's a lot more respectful when the breakup happens. Not to say it's not going to be hard and heartbreaking and sad no matter what it is because any relationship coming to an end is difficult, but it's a, a fact and part of life and and it's productive, you know, just because something ended with someone doesn't mean that like, you know, you wasted two years or however long you spent with that person because you can walk away like, wow, I really loved that person's sense of adventure or the way they made me feel. But like, oh, I, I've learned that I really can't tolerate someone who does this or whatever it is that you you take little notes and I, I think it's verbalize them to yourself learn them and know that like okay actually I realized that that was something I that's a hard no for me in a relationship like I can't tolerate that or I absolutely need this and that person wasn't giving me that and I'm going to keep looking for this those are all it's all productive so even if the relationship ends like you're not ending you're growing so and the other thing I would say is that my first few very serious relationships I like was so consumed by the relationship that I let some of my friendships fall by the wayside. I prioritized that relationship over spending time with some of my friends. And I felt like you had to do that in order because it was your boyfriend, you know, that's your number one friend all of a sudden. And I realized that like, unfortunately in a couple of them, I realized not until I was like breaking up that person. I was like, oh man, like I haven't talked to that person in a little while. And like, now I could really use a friend to talk to. And like, I feel lonely. And I think that throughout your relationship, continuing to prioritize your friendships and, you know, those people that where it's not necessarily something that like, I don't know, I feel like, like romantic relationships are a little bit more, um, the high, they're higher stakes and there's more deadlines and stuff than just friendships. So I think that just knowing the value of your friendships and how often last much longer than a lot of your, your uh, romantic relationships and also that the right romantic relationship will celebrate you investing in your other friends. And it will be a good friendship in and of its own right. I would say my husband is my best friend. And it's because we established a really great friendship and got through all of the rough times and all of the good times together. Speaking of things that you can't live with, like Kevin, clean up your beard hair in the sink. Like, can you do that for me? Can you not? <laughs> Um, <laughs> so nothing in life is perfect. <laughs> no, yes, that's so correct. And I think that's the other thing when it comes to like breakups and stuff is that like you'll learn the things that are a big deal, the things that like, okay, actually I could live with, or like maybe I thought this was a big deal, but then we had like a conversation and, you know, kind of brought us a little bit of perspective and understanding with each other and actually made us stronger. So I, breakups are hard. They're going to be hard forever. Yeah. One post-breakup tip to help somebody recognize their worth, throw yourself into something creative. You don't have to be a creative person to do it, but I think just the action of doing something creative, whether it's dance or it's sculpting, like take a pottery class or, you know, draw, yeah, draw scribble, journal, whatever, like all of those things are outlets for your energy to flow. And I think that that's really helpful in times of flux. I remember I literally like they're somewhere, but I, I wrote like poems after like some really hard breakups that just I felt crushed. And I wrote, I wrote, it was my poetry was about these relationships. And that was so cathartic because once I wrote it down, I was like, oh, like there's so many emotions. And I felt like sometimes, sometimes a creative expression captures your feelings more than just like 
sitting in them or telling them to a friend or whatever it is. So, And then the other tip I have for pre-breakup, if you're in a relationship that's not healthy and you feel like you need to get out of it, I think you need to like sit with yourself and look in the mirror and say, I deserve better and reach out to resources, talk to your friends, talk to your family, like establish those connections again, because the stronger the relationships outside of the one that you're in can be, the more empowered you will feel knowing that that relationship is not the one thing in your life that you're living for. That's just something that's, you know, it's an idea that's been created in your mind. And and I can relate to that. But if you can take that step for yourself, there's going to be another side of that, which is going to be just this period of growth and, you know, finding who you are and, and all that good stuff. But I think it starts with, you know, being able to tap out and ask for help. I remember I was like thinking about whether I needed to break up with like a very long-term boyfriend in college. And I was asking a model who I was working with a lot and we were friends. I was kind of like asking her, I'm like, what should I do? You know, and like laying some facts out there for her and stuff. And she's quiet. She's a great listener. And she looked at me and she's like, usually I think by the time you get to the point where you're asking for someone's opinion on a relationship or something really personal, you're just looking for confirmation of what you already know. She just said that. And I was like, budge. <laughs> you know, like in my mind, I was like, this, like, truth bomb. Hello. Like, I'm asking someone else about this personal relationship thing. Like, I'm looking for someone to tell me, yes, you should break up with him. But you already knew it. You already felt it in your gut. Yeah. So also, like, trust your gut, like, and, and recognize, like, when, if you're seeking out, like, what should I do? What should I do with this person? Your gut probably already knows. 100%. Guts are powerful things. That's right. Take this. Okay. So we have something a little different from our regular fast five because these are sort of fast five questions from our listeners. And we really only have three of them. It's the fast three. All right. So the first one, what's one beauty product that you can't go without? Oh, I'm a beauty product. Like, oh, I love products. But one that I've discovered recently that has changed my life is that Elemis collagen cleansing stuff what is it it's a goop it's like a gel but it's a cream I guess but instead of using like makeup wipes and a lot of stuff to try to get my makeup off and scrubbing up my face it's just this like this kind of goo that you just put on your face and it literally melts your makeup off and then you just wash it I use a cleanser afterwards but that has like changed my life it's it's make made taking off my makeup like luxurious feeling where before it was like an attack on my face one beauty product I can't go without, I'm going to be real, is my eyebrow set. And I use three things. So I'm obsessed with <laughs> so <three> beauty products. <laughs> so the first thing that I use is the Anastasia dip powder or dip, dip, what is it? Pomade, whatever. It's the thing that comes in the little jar. I'll link it. Um, and then I use the brow gel over it. And then the number three thing that I think is like, I mean, these are the only three things that I put on my face now. Like if nothing else, these are the only three things. Um, the third thing is Patrick Ta's brow lamination gel. It is insane. It's like Elmer's glue for your eyebrows. I'm sure it's, I don't know, but it's such a game changer. Okay. What's one beauty hack that's made getting ready so much easier? This is kind of a around the bout thing but always wash your fake your makeup off before you go to bed I think that 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 one thing is always washing my face before I go to bed 
has made my skin so much better. And you wake up and you have a fresh palette. I think that makes getting ready so much easier. But I don't know if that really answers the question. One beauty hack, I think, is like find your your things that are like minimal. Like for me right now, I'm using like that Ilia foundation. It's like an oil. That and just like a bare minerals powder. And like that is enough. Oh, it's to so have glowy and so day. pretty. It was the first thing I noticed when I saw you today. It's just like simplifying. Like if I, you can have like one, two, like, okay, I do this, 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 this. I have like five steps. That's my minimal makeup routine where it's like, okay, the the oil, the powder, little concealer, whatever, and then like mascara and, and brows. Same. And that's pretty much it. I think the only thing I would add to that is I have my like five things in a to-go pack and I just leave them on my bathroom counter in the morning. So when I get up in the morning, obviously like three of those five things are my eyebrow stuff, but it's on the counter. So in the morning, I don't even have to think about it. It's in the go pack. And if I don't have time, like I, I woke up late, whatever, I just take it with me. So that's one hack because I usually get ready very quickly and that's the only way I'd be able to do it. Okay. If you could visit your child self and give them one piece of advice, what would you say? It would probably go back to that thing about like embrace what makes you different. Honestly, I'm like, I've finally gotten around to the point. I'm like, okay, all the things that I'm doing and the things that have brought me the most success and happiness and joy has, have been all the celebrations of things that make me, me. And I think I would just be like, keep a list of things that make you different, girl, and put stars around them. I totally that's agree. I, I was going to say, don't be too hard on yourself, but I feel like that's a little cliche, although I, I truly believe in that. Um, I think if I could give myself one piece of advice, it would be, there are no limitations on what you can do. You can literally do anything. Everything anyone's ever told you in life about what you can or cannot do is their own preconception. And most things in this world are really a matter of putting one foot in front of the other and just going for it incessantly and without, you know, with failure, going anyways, and just playing the long game. Like anything you want in this life is achievable if you play the long game. Yes. I think that like, be what you want more of. Like you want more friends, be a really good friend. You know, I remember thinking as a young girl, I was like, God, I want to be popular. Like, how do I get people to like me? And it was all me, me, me. Like I want people to like me. And then you realize it's like, okay, like if I want people to remember my birthday, I'll remember people's birthdays. You know, <laughs> if like I want people to invite me to parties, like I'm going to invite them to something and, and be a friend to have friends. Like, oh, you want more work opportunities? Like just do them. Like go do create things like you you want to be fit like go work out it's just taking the driver's seat yeah be accountable for your own dreams i love that well i think we really attacked this list head on we i also like that was so many questions thank you guys so much for sending in so many uh, awesome questions i'm i think we're just gonna have to make this like part of our regular episodes and it's so much fun. It feels so good to be connected to our it's, audience. It's an honor so. to have this conversation with all of you. Yeah. And it's an honor to have this conversation with you. I <laughs> See what I did there? <laughs> but yes, keep sending them in. Like you don't need to just send these in when we're having episode, we announce them or whatever. Like always DM us, whatever, like let us know. Send us a question, however you can send it to us, because we'll, we want to address them. If you have a question, other people have a question. So a thousand percent. 
All right. Until next time. Until next time. Have a great week. And that's our show. If you liked what you heard today, please like, subscribe to, follow, and share Meet Bridget with your circle. The best way to help our work here is to rate and review our podcast. We're listening and constantly working to build something helpful for you. Catch you next time. Did you have an awesome time? Did you drink awesome shooters and listen to awesome music and then just sit around and soak up each other's awesomeness?